Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to Good morning, good morning. It is Tuesday, December the 6th, 2022. December the 6th. We are talking about Advent today. We are talking about the eruption of the world's largest active volcano. December the 6th. Hmm. What does December the 6th mean to you? just want you to think about that for just a moment. Um, because days have um, meaning and remembrances and specific meaning to certain people. It was on this day in 1941 that Japanese bombers launched a surprise aerial attack on the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor on the island of Oahu, Hawaii. Um. December the 6th. December the 6th uh, is also now going to be the day, you know, marked on a calendar in Hawaii and around the world that um, we had a major volcanic eruption. And I just want you to just pause and think for a moment how much times have changed. The largest active volcano in the world erupted for the first time in 38 years, and it it's like barely a blip on the screen in terms of global news. Um, had this happened without all of the warnings that we now have, because seismologists tell us um, to get out of the way, uh, they tell us that the rumblings of the earth mean something, they they warn us in advance that, oh, um, we're noting all of these tremors, and it means that the volcano is, uh, you know, is moving toward eruption. Um, and so even though Yes, lots of places have been covered with ash, um, and there's a magnificent lava flow. The word used to describe it is excited. Excited. Scientists are excited. That's how the New York Times is reporting the eruption of the world's largest volcano today. It's exciting. I just want you to just think about um, how times have changed and the gift of living in time um, like these. We just we do live in extraordinary, extraordinary times. We want to be, you know, obviously continued... Uh, praying for those whose lives are being actively disrupted by this volcano, but also just recognize that no lives are going to be lost today, um, even though the largest volcano in the world is erupting for the first time in 38 years. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the, the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give or blessed to give than to receive. This is uh, certainly the season of giving and the season of receiving. And so what are you giving and what are you receiving this Christmas? Really, the, the gift 
that should be on each of our lists, topping our list, is how do I receive Christ anew this Christmas? How do I receive Christ anew this Christmas? Um, Because that's what we, in turn, will pass on to others. So I want to just pause for a moment and consider the gifts that we receive from God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because in Christ, God gives us innumerable gifts. Let's count a few of them. We are justified by faith. We have the joy of salvation. We have peace with God. And we have the peace of God. We have access to the Father and we have the gift of prayer in Jesus' name. We stand before God in grace and we have the hope of glory. We have the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the saints, the very body of Christ. We have one another. We have the love of God now and forevermore. We're reconciled to God and to ourselves and to one another in Christ Jesus. We have the gift of a new family. We're adopted into the household of faith. We have redemption, spiritual gifts, and the promises of heaven. We have the forgiveness of sins, and we have the victory over sin itself. We have purpose in life and hope beyond death. We have the very righteousness of Christ himself. We have life, real life now, and glory forevermore. We have mercies new every morning. We have grace all sufficient to the day. We have Christ interceding for us right now, preparing a place for us right now that we might be with him forever. We know the way to the place where um, where he is because he is the way and the truth and the life. We have freedom from fear, no condemnation. We have an advocate. We have the hope of glory. We have the presence of God, the word of God, the provision of God, the guidance of God, the protection of God against the enemy, all spiritual blessings, too many to count, a future inheritance. We are a people who are kept, filled, called, sent, loved. Oh my God, what a gift we have in Jesus. Jesus knew the truth that he spoke of when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive because he is the gift. And he desires that each and every one of us would receive him anew. He literally gave it all. Consider for a moment just how precious and marvelous is God's gift to us this Christmas. He gave us his son, wrapped in human flesh and lying in a manger, wrapped in human flesh and dying on a cross, wrapped in human flesh and rising from the grave, wrapped in human flesh and ascended into heaven, wrapped in human flesh, your flesh, my flesh, right now, by the present power of the Holy Spirit inside those who have believed and received. What a gift we have in Jesus. Let's unwrap him today. Nick Pitts is going to join us next, and we're going to unpack some of the headlines of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Pitts is joining us. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. He's also um, both a newlywed and an expectant dad. So that's going to be now part of his profile um, in Courage. Welcome back, sir. So good to be with you, Carmen. So good to be with you. 
This is the last Christmas of the kind of peace in your house that exists without children. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) You got to revel in it, man. And hopefully the last Christmas where the chaos of trying to prepare for a child. (laughs) No, no, man, I I hope not. I hope you're preparing for a child lots of Christmases in the future. I hope there's a whole flock of pits coming. Um, That's true. That sounds like a great 80s fan, by the way. Yeah, a flock of pits. Totally. (laughs) Absolutely. Amy Grant. Amy Grant, you you love her. and, uh, And there's some news related to her that I'd like for you to share with the peeps. Well, you know, Amy Grant, national treasure, the hero that we need, that we don't deserve. Uh, She was um, um, the White House gave honor where honor is due this past weekend. They honored her for her significant achievements. She became the first contemporary Christian, Christian music star to receive the Kennedy Center honors. And she was honored alongside various other artists this past weekend. And my goodness, I know that some, all they want for Christmas is Mariah Carey. But as for me and my house, we there is nothing better than a tender Tennessee qu- Christmas as we feel the breath of heaven and as we continue to think through our grown-up Christmas list. I, I love the way you phrase that. Thank you for working um, so diligently to put all of those uh, song titles together. If you're listening right now and you're and you're not familiar with the music of Amy Grant, Nick and I are sad for you, and we want you to um, to listen to Amy Grant, whatever she's singing this Christmas, because um, that's the soundtrack. I got to tell you, like Amy Grant is basically the soundtrack of my high school and college. Christian life. And so thus the soundtrack that I return to in my mind, like when I think of Emmanuel or I think of a light unto my feet or yeah, or all of the song titles that you just uttered, like I, that's what I think of. Oh yeah. When she says hark the herald angels sing like that is a distinctive tone that will shoot through the coldest of hearts and warm them with the Christmas spirit. She's just incredible. And it's just, uh, again, just from a broader picture and in all seriousness, uh, Christmas is just a beautiful time and such an easy time to talk about the birth of Jesus. At the end of the day, these are all songs that we sing and they're all songs that we're familiar with. But it's, it's one of those things where it's good to be reminded, as Paul said in Philippians 3, of these very truths. And why not remind individuals of these truths as you're singing them along or you're hearing them overhead as you shop through the stores? I love that. Um, it's a good opportunity also just to recognize that there are still opportunities for Christians to make an impact in the culture in ways that the culture actually does positively respond to. And that's why we wanted to highlight this, um, this award that, uh, that Amy Grant has been honored with. She's, a, she's an honorable Christian sister and just wanted to celebrate that today. Nick and I will be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about the word of the year and then words of the year, because come to find out different dictionaries um, online um, think different words are the word of the year. You might not know either one of them. Goblin mode? What is goblin mode? Nick's going to tell us next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, did you hear the news recently? There are now 8 billion people in the world. My name's Carmen LaBerge. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Here at Faith Radio, we are telling the whole world about Jesus and helping believers live out their faith every day. 
If you'd like to help us do that, you're still needed. Your financial support changes lives. You can make a difference with your gift right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Help us reach the world for Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, Paul Perot is getting, yes, I, uh, I, you're getting a demerit because well, that should have been Amy Grant. I, I don't know what you're Amy thinking. Grant. I'm, I'm sorry, Nick. Amy. I'm sorry. And he goes and does something like this. I know. Is it possible? I have no idea what goblin mode is, but is it possible that Paul's in goblin mode, Nick? I don't uh, know. What is Paul, goblin mode? Easily going into goblin mode right now by forsaking Amy Grant when it was just the <laughs> easy setup. <laughs> Paul's gonna do what Paul wants to do. This we're all we're in Paul's world. We're all just living in it. No, um, but uh, so Oxford, as they do every year, has chosen their word of the year, and this is uh, the winning word this year is goblin mode, and it's going to be it's a slang term. It's it's popularized on Twitter as well as around Gen Z. It's just essentially you're just kind of lazy. You're just doing your own thing. It's greedy, unapologetically self indulgent. For those sports fans that are listening right now, um, goblin mode was really epitomized this past uh, calendar year or maybe even two years ago. I can't remember when you saw Antonio Brown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run off the field with his shirt off in the middle of a game and essentially retire. That epitomized for many this idea of goblin mode. It, It actually went viral during this time. It's this idea of doing whatever you want, regardless of the consequences. But, you know, Carmen, as is often the case, there was there was writing, there was writing, there's research on this that that would indicate and that would have forecast this type of word as well as this mentality would take hold. Um, there was Yale research. Uh, there was a book, um, Apollo's Arrows, and it highlights that after plagues, there tends to be phases in which it varies in intensity, but individuals kind of do what they do. Um, we remember this after the roaring 20s, right? After the, um, the, the Spanish flu swept across the U.S. and the world, that essentially after these pandemics, you have individuals that have a new zest for life and a, and a keen understanding of the brevity of life. And so in turn, what we're hearing about today is that individuals are going goblin mode. They're just doing what they want to do because they realize that uh, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um, when you think about the way that people are like halfway checking out of work, um, you know, where they're uh, they're they're working as much or as little as they see fit going into the office if and when they decide they want to. Um, is that a part of this? Like, do you see those as as connected yeah, to a certain degree, I do. They're probably connected by the underlying principle of again, this. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to do, I'm do me. I'm going to make sure that my needs are fulfilled. Uh, one again, just reminded of with the quiet. Super quitting. selfish. It's just like oh, super yeah. selfish. Oh yeah. Um, but with the quiet quitting, what you're saying is that individuals aren't doing responsibilities. They're just not going above and beyond. And in turn, they're, they're recognizing the various other aspects of life. And so it's, it's that component of doing just enough to get by, but also recognizing the various other things that they want to do. And it, it increasingly is just a part of this kind of goblin mode mentality of I'm going to, it's, it's all about me. Uh, we're living in one particular world and everybody else is just operating around that.
Okay, so this seems like a, a real opportunity for Christians to lean in um, and become apologists for that which is not self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy. Like, right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I maybe goblin mode is a good opportunity for us as Christians to lean in today um, to talk about literally the word of the year, according to Oxford Dictionary, um, and and talk with other people about this and that this is this is just not the life this is not true life it's not real life it's not the flourishing that god um gave us uh in in christ jesus like this is this is not life not real life i completely agree Carmen. it is a keen reminder for us especially for those that have ears to hear just to remember there's a way that seems right to man but ends in destruction that's uh, that's essentially what goblin mode is but it's also driven by a legitimate desire of wanting to get the most out of this life. And individuals know and they need to hear that goblin mode might feel good in the moment, but it's not going to end well at the end. And so what you want to be keenly aware of is I, I second the emotion of wanting to get the most out of life. I question the, uh, the means by which you're doing so, which is very self-indulgent and selfish. Mm. All right. That's super helpful. Um, talking of or speaking of um, self-indulgence and just doing whatever's right in your own eyes, Kate Hudson is in the news. Um, she has said, I'm not interested in forcing a conventional idea of love on anyone. Um, and she is talking about how she, if what in her view, effectively co-parents her three children with their three different dads. Can you just talk with us about this in terms of a cultural icon and... Um, and an influence in the culture today? Yeah, so Kate Hudson from movies such as uh, Failure to Launch and Fool's Gold and every romantic comedy of the 1990s is now, uh, we're starting to see that she has a particular parenting mode that as a soon-to-be parent, I, <laughs> I'm not reading about in any of the books <laughs> that I'm spending, <laughs> staying up late at night trying to figure this out. She has a child with her ex-husband, a child with her ex-fiance, and a child with her current fiance right now and she sees nothing wrong and it's a highly effective parenting mode um, to be able to have to be a parent a mother to each of these three children with each of these three different men i um, I, I question the veracity of this and i question the effectiveness of this as well as the I wonder um, how our kids are doing, um, but I, I do think that this is a part of a growing trend that we're seeing that just underneath the bedrock of society is this understanding that the marital commitment is more optional and not uh, covenantal, right? Uh, it's this popularized term by Michael Savage of the New York Times, this idea of being monogamish, that infidelity is something that is, uh, uh, that is just uh it's not feasible in the 21st century, and we just need to kind of, again, go, to go back to goblin mode, kind of do our own, um, do our own thing, get the most out of this life because we only get one chance to do it. And I would just, again, throw caught, uh, just question the the wisdom and, and this style. Yeah. Um, apparently, as a culture, we are much more accepting of men who father children with more than one woman than we are of women who have children with more than one man. Now, that is an interesting cultural oh, yeah. note, maybe to um, 
you know, just in terms of, of your conversational points today, the way God designed life, go back and read um, the Genesis narrative, understand um, that Jesus affirms male-female marriage. He affirms monogamy. He affirms that the family is um, God's design for the birth and nurture of children and the ordering of um, of our life together as a people. And so when we see that breakdown, and Kate Hudson's just, you know, she's just the latest example of this. Yeah. Um, when you see that breakdown, um, and when you hear the people described whom, with whom she has had these children, not not even all as men to whom she was married, right? Um, fiancés. So we're we're not we're talking here about the disordering of things. And God has created an order. There is a created order and a creation mandate. And when we break that, and when we break loose of that, um, it looses other things as well. And I think that. Um, when we talk about the ties that bind and we talk about the strength of families and we talk about what's best for children, nowhere in here is there a conversation about what's best for children. There's just what's expedient um, for the adults involved. And so all of that, I, I think, are things we should be mindful of in this conversation. Completely agree. There's a, there's a great uh, research uh, project that has conceptualized the idea of what's called the success sequence. And they found that you have an 8% chance of going into poverty if you follow this sequence, which is graduate from high school, get a job, get married, have a child. If you follow that sequence, you have an 8% chance of going into poverty, minuscule chance of going into poverty. And what we're seeing today is there's just the misordering and the loosing, as you so beautifully coined. And in turn, it is causing uh, ramifications and uh, fallout that are detrimental to society as a whole. Yeah. And I think that the definition of mother and the definition of father are lost in all of this as well, and certainly the definition of family. And so, you know, as we're having conversations in the culture that center around marriage and what is marriage and who gets to define it, um, this would be a good conversation to have as well. Uh, what is a family and who gets to define it and how is it redefined in Christ Jesus? Um, you know, and what does it look like to be a member of the household of God and to take your due and right part in that as well? So lots of lots of good conversations today. Nick, as always, thank you so much. Um, Merry Christmas in the Pitts household. And uh, we're looking forward with you. I mean, this is it's fun to talk to an expectant dad during Advent. So um, so oh, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. It's so great to be with you, Carmen. Y'all have a great rest of the day. Thanks. You too. That's Nick Pitts. You can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Let's uh, take a moment for Upwards with Max Lucado. All right. We got all kinds of things going on around the world today. I'm wondering if you have thought for just a moment that he has the whole world in his hands. He has the whole world in his hands. When we think about things, um, you know, related to Christmas and maybe things that people are paying attention to um, or singing or listening to, um, you know, I want you to listen to the words of songs out there. And I want you to sort of ask yourself, is, is this Christmas song, quote unquote Christmas song, really a Christmas song? Or is it some um, some kind of nod to uh, a cultural idea related to Christmas that's really not Christian at all? Like that's the that's the discernment filter 
that I'd like for each of us to put on um, and, and think about in these days. Here's here's an example. Um, uh, the Santa Claus is coming to town. All right. Santa Claus is coming to town. Um, now, recognizing that we have all kinds of people listening right now, um, I'm not going to say anything here that, you know, draws uh, draws those um, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, beliefs into question. What I am going to lift up is maybe just the conversation about he knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> that's even something that we want to be repeating to our kids. Um, the one who knows when you're sleeping and knows who and knows when you're awake is God. Um, the one who knows if you've been bad or good is God. And we're not good for goodness sake. We're good because we love God and we're his image bearers and he is good. We're good because God is good. It's a reflection of who we are as image bearers of God that we would be good, not in order that we might get something, but in order that we might be who we were created to be. So listen to the words, consider the words that you're singing, that you're playing, that kids are hearing, and stop every once in a while and just say, hey, I know this is a super fun song to sing um, about Santa Claus coming to town, but let me tell you who really knows when you're sleeping and who really knows when you're awake and who really knows if you've been bad or good and why we're good, why we um, seek to lead lives that please God, because they're actually a reflection um, of God to the world. So let's be good for goodness sake, recognizing that God is the one who is good and goodness itself. Luke Moon's going to join us next from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. We're going to take a spin around the globe. What in the world is going on in the world? God's got it all in his hands. So let's try to get it a uh, hold of it in our minds. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns When the man comes around Luke Moon is joining us now. You can find him at the Philos Project, philosproject.org, also at Providence Magazine. Hey, Luke, welcome back. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Um, I don't have on our list today to talk about the um, rise of anti-Semitism, but I never want to miss the opportunity to direct people to resources at um, at philosproject.org in relationship um, to that topic. And so I'm going to say that um, as we begin today and just recognize that um, when the conversation and the culture uses the word anti-Semitism so often, those of us who are Christians and have a concern for people who are Jewish and for the Jews and for Israel need to avail ourselves of really good resources related to that. So thank you for providing those at philosproject.org. We appreciate it. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah. It's important. Um, Iran. We've been talking about Iran for um, a number of months now. Well, you and I have been talking about it for years, but we've been talking about it for a number of months in relationship to a woman who died while in custody of the morality police. Um, Is it being abolished? Because that seems like a pipe dream. I think it's a pipe dream. I, the The attorney general for, for Iran made a statement that people kind of could construe to be 
that, you know, they're walking back the morality police. But at the same time, he also said that the judiciary would still monitor behavioral actions at the community level, which sounds like we're still going to have a morality police. We just might change the name, right? It's, um, It's a mystery whether it was intended for, like, international audiences or local audiences because the state... Uh, media said no, nothing's changed, uh, and other sources have have also said nothing's changed. I mean, the reality is that this protest is not going anywhere. I mean, one of the things that Carmen, that you and I have talked about, is is you know whether or not this thing will have have any legs because it tends to be with with protests these days, you know, very dependent upon social media and that kind of thing, and and that's increasingly being being limited in iran and yet the protests continue and you know i'm of the mind that we might revert to those to you know to the leadership changes of old in which you know in the midst of great uh injustice a a leader rises up from within the people uh and mobilizes them to to uh, bring to restore justice and and i wonder if that's going to happen here, because nobody outside of Iran uh, has has the capability to lead the country right now. And so I think it's going to be somebody from within. Yeah, I um, I was talking to a woman who now lives here in the United States, but she was formerly a um, Sharia law attorney in the Middle East. And she said that this conversation, um, her concern is it's one thing to have some sort of official group of people who are serving as quote unquote morality police. It's another thing to loose the culture in vigilantism against their neighbors. And, um, and so there are a couple of different ways I think to see an announcement. Um, even if it's one guy talking about one aspect of how uh, Sharia law is going to be enforced related to women um, it's, if you if you strip away the official mechanism, um, do you not loose the unofficial mechanisms? And that was her concern um, in looking at this, and it was not one that I had heard you know raised elsewhere. So just thought I would um, surface that as well. Certainly, the videos that we see um, where it certainly appears as if older wom- older women who are completely covered are physically beating. Um, kicking and stomping on young women who are not wearing their hijab. That doesn't look like morality police to me. That looks like vigilantism. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, the reality is that in a lot of places it's, it's, I mean, in, in, uh, in Israel, the more women vote for Hamas than men, uh, Mm. which, which seems strange, but it's, you know, women uh, seem to be more religious than men. Right. And therefore, would mm. would want to see that enforced among the other women, um, and and I think that it's it's not surprising that that's you know one of the outcomes. The question is you know how long will this last, and can it actually bring about the kind of change that people of Iran I think want? Because one of the things that is at least evident to me is that you know the fertility rate in Iran is basically the same as. Uh, the the European countries around the Mediterranean, which is really low, and it's because they're you know religious people have babies and non-religious people don't, 
And if you have a low fertility, it means that, you know, you're not having, the religious people are, are, are not having, or the, the majority of the population is behaving in a non-religious way, which makes sense. So, you know, enough people are, will go through the motions, wear the hijab and, you know, do Ramadan or, or the holy days. But in, in reality, their behavior is, is not particularly religious and, uh, there becomes a level of frustration that I think people are going to, you know, they, this is, this is perhaps the moment. And then the, the overreach by the government in terms of, I don't know if there, there was a video I saw, you know, a father whose son was like 13 years old and he was, uh, you know, brutally uh, murdered by the police. And you just think that that kind of stuff, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't, like go away easily. Right. And Mm -hmm. it will, it will keep going. I think. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the United States adding Cuba, um, Nicaragua and the Wagner group to its religious freedom blacklist. Um, What, what, what is our religious freedom blacklist and how does a country or a group make its way onto it? Well, the religious freedom blacklist is, is basically a, it's it's under the State Department and it it affects uh, U.S. policy towards those countries. It's not just a, I mean, it's not just a, um, uh, you know, here's a a slap on the wrist kind of thing. It actually impacts how the U.S. Uh, gives money, how it gives aid, how it provides military assistance. It it actually has like legal ramifications, and uh, so. Uh, Cuba was added to the list because there's just has been an increase in in harassment of Christians uh, in the country pretty consistently. Uh, and then Nicaragua, uh, the the president, uh, it, Daniel Ortega, uh, he is uh, there. He there was a there was kind of a an attempted uh, revolution against him back in 2018. Uh, the Catholic Church was very much involved in that. And he is he is uh, very anti-Catholic and has done things to undermine the Catholic Church. He has uh, the the, uh, the 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 bishop for for the the country is is under house arrest, that kind of thing. And so it is um, it's on the list because of his because of the Nicaragua's anti-Catholic stuff. And then the Wagner Group, those are a bunch of bad dudes. I mean, they're mercenaries. Uh, who, uh, they, but this in particular, they're on the list because of their involvement in uh, the Central African Republic uh, and the the ongoing kind of civil war that's taking place uh, in that country and just um, kind of uh, sexual violence and and just general mercenary behavior. Uh, they're they're pretty bad. They've been bad in 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 Ukraine as well. I mean, they're one of the world's I think largest uh, mercenary uh, organizations, and they they're they're bad. Mm. All right, we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Luke Moon. We are going to pivot to a conversation about Ukraine. There has been what um, I will uh, regard as a as an escalation in the war in Ukraine. Drone strikes. Um, hit Russian bases yesterday, some 300 miles from the Ukrainian border, so in the interior of Russia. 
Um, And I say drone strikes and I refer to Ukraine, but Ukraine has not formally confirmed carrying out these drone attacks. Um, But the attacks certainly expose Russia's vulnerability as some of those sites house nuclear capable bombers. Russia has uh, uh, restated that there are now no prospects for peace talks. So what does it look like in this season when the Prince of Peace comes um, to bring peace on earth and goodwill to men, to be in in a state of time when the peace table and peace talks is just not even a place that Russia and Ukraine can get to. We're going to have that conversation with Luke in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Another tender Tennessee Christmas. The only Christmas for Returning to our conversation with Luke Moon. Luke, bring us up to date on um, Russia in relationship to Ukraine because they have certainly not um, uh, eased up any in recent days. No, they, well, I mean, like you said, there, there was the um, attack by, well, I mean, I'm assuming it's the, the Ukrainians attacking the, uh, the air bases in Russia. That's a big change. Uh, drone use seems to be increasingly popular, uh, not just by the Ukrainians, but the Russians as well. I think that's, uh, this is certainly a new phase of war. We, we the U.S. has been doing it uh, in other countries, have been doing it for a long time, but in this this degree it's it's increasingly popular um because it's just easier to get uh you can fly lower and and get munitions further in um there was a big uh attack by russia last night against ukraine uh, ukrainian cities missile attack uh kiev uh, had people uh in in bomb shelters uh, all across the country and then uh putin visited the place where uh the bridge uh, one of the bridges between uh, uh, Russia and uh, what was formerly Ukrainian territory uh, was was bombed a few months back with a truck bomb, and that got rebuilt uh, recently. and And uh, Putin went to visit it uh, yesterday. Uh, so it's an ongoing conflict. It seems you know we're heading into winter. Um, it, you know winter is one of those times when you know there's a long history of of militaries failing in the winter time uh because it's you know it is ukraine and russia and it's cold it's really cold and uh it wouldn't surprise me at all uh if if some some pretty significant strategic shifts take place uh as winter sets in um, and winter is setting in. I, uh, I checked the, the the weather. It's um, freezing, just right, uh, hovering in the in the low twenties today across Ukraine. Snow in the forecast. Uh, freezing rain in the forecast for later this week. I mean, today it's sunny and in the twenties, but um, you know, later in the week, freezing rain. I don't know about you, Luke, but um, 
Like I, nine months on, and um, I imagine that there are some people who are beginning to despair. And so renewing, uh, renewing prayers on that front for sure. Um, on the good news front, tell us what's happening between Israel and six Arab countries who are meeting to discuss coexistence. That sounds like a really positive development. Yeah, there's a so there's a group called the N7. It came out of the the Negev Forum. It's a gathering of uh, leaders from uh, Israel, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, uh, Sudan, Egypt, and Jordan. And uh, you know, it's a it's an ongoing uh, gathering to kind of build on the Abraham Accord. That's the normalization and peace deals that were made between Israel and, and those countries. Um, and their gathering in Morocco uh, starts, I think, today and or no, I started yesterday. Sorry, and goes until tomorrow. And it's it is a it's an important uh, gathering. There has been challenges. Just because uh, on on the Israel side, uh, Bibi Netanyahu has been forming a government, so everybody who is uh, wanting to have a position in the government isn't isn't uh, super keen on leaving the country. Uh, but there's also has been some challenges on uh, you know whether the Jordanians or the Egyptians would show up because of uh, the Netanyahu, the, the new government uh, that Netanyahu has formed, which has, uh, you know, members from uh, a fairly, uh, a fairly far right party. Um, and so it's a, it's been a challenge to organize the event and, you know, it just, uh, it, it's, but it's a good thing. I mean, once you know that it did, it is underway, uh, and people did show up, and so ultimately it worked. And and I think you know the more normalization takes place, the more these countries build on uh, the agreements and and build partnerships and build do infrastructure projects together. It it really kind of ties these nations together. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Um, Luke, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, maybe a word of encouragement to those of us who, you know, don't necessarily know exactly what to do when we read something um, that is anti-Semitic or we have a friend, a neighbor, someone at church who says something that we recognize as anti-Semitic. Um, would you equip us um, for those moments? Yeah, there's there's a... Last year, we started what was called the Fields Action League. It's very simple. It's a membership thing where if you sign up, it's a free membership. You sign up, and if there's an anti-Semitic incident within 20 miles of you, uh, we'll call you up and ask that you bring flowers uh, to a location. We'll tell you where the location is. We'll pay for the flowers if they need to be paid for. And we'll, we, you write a note saying, uh, Christians, we are Christians, and we stand in friendship and solidarity with you in this time of, uh, of anti-Semitism. And it's incredible the stuff that has happened uh, by Christians physically going and showing up in moments like this. So often uh, Jewish people feel alone uh, in times like this, and knowing that there are Christians that are are see them and are are our friends with them is is really uh it's, it's really powerful and and makes a huge difference to them and so yeah. that's at philosproject.org backslash action that's how you can sign up 
Yeah, I love that. Um, and I think that when you, this is definitely one of those, when you hear something, say something moments. Um, it is not okay on social media, um, in our private conversations or in our public discourse to, um, to participate or to stand passively and quietly by when others say things that we um, recognize as, um, as anti-Semitic. So can you just super quickly define the term? Like, what does that mean? Well, I, I define it as an irrational hatred of the Jewish people rooted in the fact that they are the people by which God brought his moral revelation into this world and the world hates them for it. Uh, but it's really singling out the Jews for as the scapegoat of whatever the problems are. You know, if you think that if the you know if you hate the news, the Jews own the newspaper. If you if you hate uh, Hollywood, all oh, the Jews run Hollywood. It's it's a scapegoating that's centuries old, millennia old, uh, singling out the Jews because. Uh, and I think it's because there's there's uh, there's a spiritual dimension to this. Uh, and and I think uh, it it manifests itself uh, far too often, and and also uh, strangely enough, uh, people with like um, you know Kanye, uh, who who has been he struggled with mental illness, and and he is he just keeps lashing out and again and again and again, and uh, there there's it's it's really unfortunate all that's happening right now. Um, Luke, as always, thank you so much. Um, I never want to miss the opportunity to equip and empower um, each other. And I think that your definition that it is an irrational hatred um, is helpful because that helps me um, put a hook in my mind, right? Like when I hear it and I recognize it, I recognize it as spiritual. I recognize it as irrational, but that doesn't mean I stand passively or quietly by and just let it happen. Um, So thank you um, so very much. That's Luke Moon. You can find him at philosproject.org. You can find resources related to um, action uh, in terms of mobilizing yourself and others in relationship to anti-Semitism in the culture, philosproject.org backslash action. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. What are the carols playing in your mind? What are the carols playing in your heart and in your home? Are you paying attention to the words? We're going to lead off the next hour with a conversation about Christmas bells. Um, and we're going to, um, we're also going to talk with Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. And then Mary DeMuth is going to join us. We're going to talk about um, how we engage with our grown-up children who are or are not believers. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.